This is Breaking Space, a podcast where we dig into the obstacles and solutions to diversifying leadership in the architecture, engineering, construction, and real estate development industries. I'm Rebecca Cervera. I have 18 years of experience in the engineering, construction, and real estate development industries. I'm a certified project manager, a certified passive house consultant, and a member of the Applied Technologists and Technicians of British Columbia. I'm Danny Ference, Director of Construction at Alabaster Homes. I've been in the industry for close to 20 years and I've worked my way from a coordinator to a director now. Uh, I'm a graduate of the BCIT Architectural Building Engineering Program with the specialty of building science. This episode is brought to you with the support of Y5 Creative, where the brand always comes first. Need a new brand or website? Check out y5creative.com. The virtual spell gives you access to a virtual assistant to help grow your business and take on tasks such as copywriting, social media, and influencer management. Learn more at thevirtualspell.com. Hey, Danny, nice to talk to you today. Hey, Rebecca, how are you doing? I am doing great. I am really excited to do this introduction for our first podcast. You're never going to guess who I got on for our episode today. Oh my God, who do you have? I hate guessing, so just tell me, please. Okay. I got uh, Patrick Reynolds from Boyden. Oh my God, Patrick is in my network. I think he's such an amazing human being. I'm so excited to hear what you guys have to talk about. I think he's been at Boyden for like 20 years or something like that. He he has 20 years of experience in the executive search industry, um, and he's currently a managing partner with Boyden's executive search. Uh, So I knew that you had him in your network and that... um, that he would be a great a great guest to have on. Oh my God, what are you guys going to talk about? So today we are talking about um, finding diversity in leadership. Oh wow, that's going to be a very strong topic because last time I talked to Patrick, um, we've had some interesting conversations about this topic. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what's going to come out of it. Yeah, and you know, uh, Patrick has such a diverse experience in so many different industries. You know, he's primarily works in the industrial markets, but he also has clients in retail, financial services, technology, you know, construction development. And I think he's going to have some really great insight uh, into um, how we can, you know, get get more diversity in leadership in the in the architecture, engineering, construction and real estate development. Oh, my God, I can't wait to hear it. All right, well, let's, uh, let's dig into that and see what uh, the conversation was with Patrick. 100%. Patrick, welcome to Breaking Space. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So let's dig into today's topic. There is a lack of gender diversity in senior leadership roles in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry, and also in the real estate development industry. Can you tell us about your experiences with companies looking for women to fill those leadership roles? Yeah, I think uh, especially in recent history, there's become more of an emphasis from companies to enhance their diversity. Historically, there's been a lot of probably inertia. I, I, my, my, uh, my perspective on it is that uh, it started a lot of years ago when there weren't a lot of women interested in the industry. So it sort of just became an old boys club, so to speak. And then when that happens, suddenly it's difficult for women to break into the industry. There's lots of sort of uh, skeptics and um, resistance to uh, to getting in there. So that sort of uh, industry inertia, it wasn't just one or two companies, but the whole industry kind of went that way. And there were some women who were able to be 
to be successful in that space, but they were the exceptions, not the rules. And they had to be really resilient and, you know, deal with all sorts of issues to, uh, to get through. So I think there, uh, and, and the, and the problem is that once that inertia happens, there are very few mentors or allies for women wanting to break into the industry. And so you've got to be, you know, that much more resilient than, uh, than the next person in order to, uh, to work your way through. I still think there's a lower percentage of women interested in those industries, but it is growing and there are more and more women becoming successful in there. And, uh, and so I think those, the number of mentors and allies is starting to grow. Okay, interesting. I liked, I liked the term industry inertia. The inertia has been so far one way and, and, like, and we all know inertia works. Once it gets rolling, the harder it is to stop. And, um, and you also touched on not, women not wanting necessarily or less women wanting to to enter those industries and i wonder if those industries would be more you know something that was that more women would be likely to to enter into if there was more diversity in leadership if women saw oh you know there there's a path for me or there's if there was more of of those um like of women in those leadership roles that that would attract the recruitment side as well yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the it's the mentor or ally piece that I mentioned before, but it's also just the just the 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 vision of that's what I can be one day, right? You hear all the time. I'm a sports fan, and so you there's lots of uh, lots of ads on TV right now, lots of um, pieces with uh, with female hockey players demonstrating the way for young girls to get involved in hockey and have a future in hockey. Well, you see that person playing on the international stage, winning the gold medal, that's, that's exciting. You can visualize yourself in that job in the future with so few women in executive roles in some of these industries in construction and, uh, and uh, development industry, real estate development industries. It's hard for, for young professionals just starting out to really see that, that path to the future. And, and I wonder also, you know, the the impact that it has on like mid-career professionals. Um, we hear, you know, I'm not so much, I'm not so sure about the numbers from the construction industry, but I know for engineering, um, the numbers are quite high for women leaving, you know, after five to 10 years. And maybe I'm not sure what the reasoning is for that, but is it because they don't see a path or because they haven't been, they haven't had the mentors or the allies that really you know, have allowed them to, to see their, their career progression it is, continues to be what it, what it could be. Um, and, and in, since they don't have that, they, they leave. For sure. I mean, why would you stick around in a job if you don't see a future for you, either with that organization or, you know, even in a lot of respects with the, in, in the industry, if you don't see any women in senior roles in the industry, why would you, you know, and you're ambitious and you want to, rise up through the industry and make something of your career, why would you stick around in that industry? The odds of you succeeding are, are significantly lower if you don't see that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's a big issue to tackle, uh, you know, at, at this point, not only recruiting people into the industry or, or women into the industry, but keeping them there as well. Um, and you said that recently you've had more companies looking to hire uh, women into leadership positions in those industries, but have faced some obstacles to to filling those roles or, you know, some challenges? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it's been on the rise for a while. The public sector is further ahead than the private sector in terms of 
seeking gender diversity uh, and diversity in general, broader diversity. I think the public sector is further ahead. The private sector uh, over the past decade is slowly starting to get on board and starting to understand the value of having diverse leadership teams and a, and a diverse workforce. And so we're starting to see uh, some clients asking for uh, diversity on our uh, in, in our candidate pool. So the candidates that we're presenting to them to consider for executive leadership roles, they want to see women on that list. They want to see some uh, uh, people who identify as BIPOC on those lists. Those are those are becoming more and more important even to private sector companies because they're starting to see that value. Uh, the challenge for us is because of this industry inertia and the historically few people, uh, the historically few women in this case on today's topic, um, who are involved in those uh, in those industries, it's really tough to find for us to find those qualified people to put forward. So as much as you know there's companies now starting to say yes we can make those opportunities available for women there just aren't that many qualified women because of this uh this industry inertia that has kept them from rising up in the in the ranks of organizations Mm -hmm. and it's you, you mentioned before you know the women who do make it um have to be exceptional and and i'm sure they would say you know and lucky in a way to have been given opportunities throughout their career by companies a lot of people say you know um making it into leadership ha- has partly to do with luck because you do have to have uh you know somebody to sort of sponsor you and somebody to recognize you know that you can move into those into that those roles and those positions and is that something that companies need to need to look at that it's it's not just a matter of somebody just organically getting that type of experience that somebody has to give them those opportunities to to get there and not all companies are are doing that or are not recognizing that it's their role to be promoting that pipeline yeah i mean it's uh, it's a combination of a number of things uh, uh you know good fortune or luck is uh, certainly certainly a factor for some you've got to be in the right place at the right time or with somebody who has the right attitude that will uh, help enable you to succeed. Um, there's a resilience needed for sure because you're going to face all sorts of obstacles. And so to be a, a successful woman in this industry for the past uh, 20 years, you've needed to be, well, historically in general, you've needed to be very resilient and put up with a lot of guff from a lot of uh, a lot of skeptics and people who are less comfortable uh, working around uh, working around women. I think good fortune, I think resilience is another piece. Uh, but at the same time, you know, some women have been successful in the in the industry because they've been bigger risk takers and they've just branched out on their own and and done their own thing and opened up their own company and haven't relied on somebody else to be that you know that uh, that person that believes in them in them and gives them the opportunity. But again, it's back to the mentor and ally program. If there aren't a lot of women though in those senior positions, you're counting on. Uh, some you're counting on a man in the senior position to believe in the woman, and you know, in some, and that's risky for guys because the tried and true is just to keep on promoting guys. There's probably some sort of element of risk for a company in promoting a woman into the senior ranks because what are the what are their clients going to think? The industry inertia has been such that you know it's safe to hire hire a male into those positions. If you do hire a female, is that going to benefit you? And 
a lot of companies would uh, wouldn't be willing to take that risk. So what are some of the reasons why companies should I mean, besides what we already talked about, um, you know, in, in that it helps to diversify their entire workforce, not just at, at the upper level by having a more diverse leadership. But what are some other reasons why companies should be looking to 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 branch out that way and to sort of, you know, stop that inertia or have get the inertia moving in the other direction? Well, the two obvious ones for me are that there's been a lot of study into this recently, and McKinsey put out a piece not long ago that talked about companies uh, in general, not just in this industry, but companies in general that have diverse leadership teams outperform those who don't by about 20%. So, uh, I mean, I think anybody who's been involved in a group dynamic, you know, well, it's great to have the, you know, the guy's night or the gal's weekend or whatever, it's, um, uh, it's those are fun an actual ongoing long-term dynamic is much healthier with diversity. I think most people will acknowledge that. And the research shows it that bears out in the results of like the financial results of the companies. So for one, you got a better chance of outperforming your competition if you get diversity on your leadership team. And secondly, you know, it's a greater access to talent. You're, you can access a lot more talent if you open yourself up to uh, to diverse workforces. Um, you know, the, the the construction or development company that buys into women in the workforce and gets senior people who believe in others, you're going to show that path to the young professional women who are starting out in the industry and they're going to get interested and engaged and they're going to perform better for you. And, and you're just going to have access to a bigger talent pool than your uh, your competitors who aren't doing that. Well, those are so those are two pretty good reasons to get some more diversity into into companies. And I um I know I've been reading some articles as well about, you know, making the business case and um, you know, for diversity and leadership. And I think that that twenty percent of diverse leader leader um groups outperform those that, that have less diverse groups, I think is uh that's a pretty big number. It is. That's pretty big. So I think that that's that's a that's a good driver for mm-hmm. a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Um so my next question is you know, how can companies close that leadership gap? What is it going to take? And, and, you know, specifically for construction, real estate, engineering, what is it going to take for, for that gap to, to shrink and for companies to, to really, um, like you, you mentioned risk before, to, to take on that risk or to, to be the leader. And once there's enough leaders, <laughs> you know, the inertia changes, but, but somebody mm-hmm. has to jump in. Yeah. I mean, it really is breaking the inertia and that's, and that's risky, right? You got to take a bit of a bit. You got to take a bit of a risk, and you have to be purposeful about it. Like a company needs to go out and say, "Okay, we need and we need a new project director to manage this group of projects over here." And uh, we are, you know, you know, I don't know if you can go to market with the uh, limited supply of women in the industry and say we're only going to hire a woman into this role. But we have clients telling us we want to see women on that on your recommended list of candidates. And so we put an extra emphasis on trying to source women in the industry in order to in order to get them there. Um, you might have to hire somebody who has a bit less experience than their male counterpart because you know, she hasn't had the the uh, length of experience in the industry. Um, 20 years ago, there were even fewer women in the industry. So if you're looking for somebody with 20 years experience, you're, you might not, you might not have that long a list. So you might have to take somebody with a little less experience, but more potential. But the rewards for doing that, I think, are tremendous. Uh, you know, just looking at the opportunities for 
showing the pathway to uh, younger female professionals that they have a roadmap to get to a successful place within the organization. They have an example of somebody who's been successful in in this organization as a woman. Uh, you'll you'll get greater access to talent and greater engagement of employee. It's really a culture shift. You got to get past the skepticism and the resistance and shift the culture. And culture shifts always come from the top. So it's the leadership is going to have to is going to have to uh, make that leap of faith and demonstrate to the organization that there are benefits for this. So bold, bold leadership, mm-hmm. bold changes, bold leadership. Yes. Do you think that that's uh, something that that we will see in the next? I mean, a lot of these pushes are, you know, by 2030. So that gives us less than 10 years at this point. Do you think that the 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 industries are shifting um, that way? We've seen other industries already shift that way. Uh, There are some more traditional industries that have been holdouts, um, but all evidence from other industries is that this is the direction they're going. It will continue that way. Um, More traditional industries will get on board with this because you will start to see some companies being more successful and having access to the deeper candidate pools because they are welcoming of, uh, of women. And next thing you know, you're going to have and and other diversity uh, uh, or equity seeking groups, you're going to see better results from those companies, which is going to force at the end of the day. The reason the companies are this way is because they're trying to drive their best results. And historically, the way they've they've driven results is through having guys in those roles. And so once once you prove that you can have better results by having more diverse workforce, then you're gonna see that. And other industries have done it. More traditional industries are are slower to adapt, but they'll adapt over time. I don't know if it'll be 10 years or 20 years uh, by the time it gets into this industry, but I, what is it? Uh, Bill Gates says, we overestimate the amount of progress we can make in a year and we underestimate the amount of progress we can make in 10 years. I think in 10 years time, this industry will be vastly different than uh, what it what it is today. Well, that's that's promising. I'm an optimist. Um, and uh, yeah, yes. Well, optimism. Uh, I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the way to go. I think that's the way you know to look mm-hmm. for the solutions um, and uh, and try to to help companies yeah. get there. And I really I really do hope that uh, that your optimism um, is right, and uh, that you know some of these big leadership of these companies do recognize um, that it is for them to to really be the the, the drivers of, of the change. And I hope that, uh, I hope that that's where Yeah, I mean, uh, the companies aren't alone in this either, right? Like the, the, the would be the, the woman, w- women would be want to be executives um, also have a, an important play, role to play in this, right? They've got to be resilient. They've got to be able to work their way through, uh, through challenging times. They've got to perform, right? They've got to be capable and they've got to uh, and they've got to perform and work through adversity. Um, uh, I mean, everybody does in their careers, right? So you've got to you've got to be able to to do that. But once you get a bit of momentum, a bit of inertia going the other direction, and get some women in senior roles, you start you know, the younger ones will start to see that path, and uh, and it should pick up. Mm-hmm. A big part is just learning how to deal with those skeptics and resi- and the and the resistors within the industry, learning how to deal with them constructively. Speaking about um, where employees and, and you know women have have a role in sort of striving for those leadership 
positions and what they can do to get there. I, I think that what happens, you know, if if a, if a woman is in an organization and she's finding that she's not getting the career advancement that she wants, she goes to a different organization and sometimes they can have, you know, their resumes look a bit different than maybe, um, you know, a, a man who has this maybe the same amount of industry experience, but has stayed in, in companies longer or has, you know, um, moved up in a company, whereas, whereas the woman she moved, instead of moving up in the company, she moved companies. And how does that affect how her, her resume looks and how it's sort of perceived from somebody who's looking to hire someone into a leadership position? Do they look at that and, and say, well, this person doesn't have the right experience because they they weren't brought up in the same way. And like, what can an employee who was looking for a leadership role who has that sort of that level of experience, what can she do to showcase herself? Yeah, I mean, the, part of that's the inertia, right? You, you don't you don't have, it's the catch-22. Can't get the experience until somebody gives me the opportunity to have the experience. You don't want to be too jumpy by any, uh, by any stretch. You don't want to be one year here, two years there. You want to show some resilience and some ability to work through things. You know, you want to have, by, by mid-career, you want to have at least a couple of at least three to five year stints on your resume. Longer is fine but you don't want to be one year here, two years there for 15 years of your career, that person gets sort of labeled as jumpy and 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 companies are less likely to hire them because the best indicator of future performance is past performance. And if you haven't stayed with anybody else for more than a year or two, what are the odds you're going to stay with us for longer? And companies want people who are going to stay with them for five to 10 years, right? Uh, history would show that the resiliency piece that you were talking about. Yeah, history would show that three to five years is becoming more and more the average, but you want a few of the five year success stories because really that's when you hit your stride with the company and really start to make a difference. And so sometimes you've got to, you, you just have to sort of understand the landscape. Every, every uh, company is different, every circumstance is different. Sometimes you've got to use your judgment that says this is never going to change. I need to get out, in which case get out. But at some point, you've got to find a way to to get through a three to five year program with somebody and really make a difference and demonstrate the value that you can provide. Uh, and then that will uh, that uh, that will help moving forward. When we get the candidate who has sort of a couple of two year stints and a couple of five year stints on their resume, we really focus on what the culture was like uh, at the five-year companies that made them enabled them to be successful and, and stay longer in those companies relative to the other ones. And then we compare it to our client culture. If our client culture is like the ones where they only last a year or two, then we don't uh, think it's going to be uh, that we don't think they're really going to be able to uh, enhance the culture of that uh, of that new company um, or of our client company. We uh, we would be more likely if they were if they were if our clients culture was more aligned with one of the five year organizations to recommend them as a uh, as a viable candidate on a search. Well, I think that's some good feedback. And uh, it can be hard. It's it's a hard decision if you sort of are in a place where you can see that you're not, you know, you're not being recognized or it's not going to get you to where you, you want to go. Yeah. Do you do you stay just for your resume or do you? Do you leave and hope that it doesn't uh, doesn't hurt you too much down the road? But that's part of being a good executive leader is having good judgment, being able to assess situations like that, figure out whether it's worthwhile sticking around and and uh, putting in the time and energy it takes to to turn the culture, or is it uh, is it better to cut bait, get out, and uh, find uh, find a greener pasture elsewhere? Well, that's a great way to put it. 
It's great. I think that's a great, this is a great place to end our conversation. I'm, I'm really appreciative for all of your insights today and for taking the time to, to join us on, on Breaking Space. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, uh, good luck with the, with the future of your podcast. I think it's an important topic and I, I hope I'm right about the, about the future and that uh, in 10 years, we're going to see uh, a significant, uh, significant move in the industry. Great. Well, just before we leave, um, if the listeners want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you? Uh, LinkedIn probably is uh, is the best. Uh, Patrick Reynolds Boyden. I think I'm the only one uh, one out there. So uh, uh, LinkedIn is a is a good spot to uh, to look me up. Okay. Great. Well, I'm sure I'm sure after this conversation, some people will be interested to to speak with you further about your insights and uh, your expertise. All right. So thank you. Pleasure. So Danny, what did you think of my conversation with Patrick? Oh my God, it was so good. I actually listened to it three times because I thought there were so many points that I felt I related to, so many points that really sparked the thought process in my head and industry inertia. Yeah, that term, I I had not thought of it in that way before. But when he used that term, that was a big one for me too. Just wow. Like I have goosebumps right now. Because, you know, I, I, I refer to the construction industry as the ancient industry. We are a bunch of dinosaurs. We do not like changing too many things. Like we are so set in our way. And then hearing the term industry inertia, I'm like, wow, that really hits it on the spot. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think it's good for people to hear that because I think we need to be a little bit more conscious about it. We need to we need to let progress in. We need to let change in. We need to make things different. Yeah, it sort of reframes the outlook on those changes that we're not just, you know, we shouldn't just be going in the same direction that we've always been going. Like how do we how do we sort of alter that inertia? Um, to, to get to where we need to go. And, and the first step is this conversation, right? So I'm really glad you talked to Patrick because Patrick is honestly great. And, um, you know, another thing that I thought was incredible and I think we should mention is the risk-taking part. It is a big risk to do something different. It is a big risk to put yourself on a spot and initiate change. And I think you guys mentioned that the diverse leadership companies outperform the non-diverse leadership companies by 20%. I think that was the number. Yeah. And it takes balls to be that company that is going to do something different. And, you know, I talk about things that are a little bit, not really always talked about in the open public space. And I get a lot of men commenting, but they comment in the private. They don't necessarily comment in the public like they do not comment on the on the posts on the blogs in the in the in the shared spaces they that they message me directly and it's not easy being that one person that will stand out because you don't know what kind of backlash you will get yeah absolutely absolutely and it's it is still pretty rare in this industry um to have to have people stand like making those comments publicly or making that stand publicly so that it, it, it does take a risk taker. 100%. Yeah, he also talked about, you know, it'll take bold leadership, which is essentially the same thing. 100%. At what point in your career is it okay to speak out about it? And, you know, 
if somebody would have asked me to be opinionated about my path and the, the many bads that have happened, if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have never said anything because I, I know that I would have not gotten a job. Yeah. Like, is it, is it safe now? I hope so. If we, if we wait for it to be safe, will we be waiting forever? Well, I think that brings us to the next point, the lack in resilience. I have gone through the process, so I feel like I have the resilience to withstand some of the comments and the backlash. Me 10 years ago would not have had that. Uh, I remember locking myself up at home and crying over something that's happened at work. And it was just like, do I go back? Do I change careers? And that was the reality. Now it's different, right? The worst case scenario is I'll get fired, which is not a big deal anymore. Right. Because you feel like you, you, you have enough, you know enough to, to move on to the next thing and it's yeah. not as much of a threat to you. 100%. Like I have enough knowledge to get a job. You know, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad this topic is being discussed now. I'm so glad you talked to Patrick. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he was such a great guest to have on. And I hope that some of the bold leaders out there or, or somebody who wants to be a bold leader and just needs a little bit, um, little bit of support will we'll listen to this podcast and, and see that uh, people are having this conversation and that this is, you know, this is something that we can, we can work on together. And uh, maybe they'll want to be on the podcast, get one, get a bold leader on here and have them talk about it. That would be great. hundred percent. I mean, like, I think this is the time to challenge all those risk takers come forward, come forward and lead by example and uh, stand up for what you believe in. And also companies that have, more diverse leadership have bigger hiring pools. So we're experiencing a huge shortage in the industry to hire people. So why wouldn't, wouldn't you want to open up that hiring pool for yourself? Yeah, it's time to, to change the inertia. 100%, Rebecca. I am looking forward to the next 10 years. And hopefully we can sit down with Patrick in 10 years somewhere, have a drink and discuss the change that has happened since the first episode. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Let's mark it on our calendars for 10 years from now. Yep, (laughs) 100%. Okay, thanks very much, Danny. This is great talking to you about this episode. Catch you later. Bye. If you like this episode of Breaking Space, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.